welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. It's July the 26th, 2017, and we are live. It is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Canada. And unfortunately, our guest that we have scheduled tonight uh, did not communicate back to me. So in the good old Deb Pro way, I decided, hey, let's take those lemons and make some lemonade. So here I am live. So I've decided tonight to take the opportunity to talk about my involvement in the Change Book series. I originally started in uh, 2015 when I was contacted by Jim and Jim, and it was quite an interesting time because I was I was starting to write a book on work-life balance, and had been working on it since 2011. Once I had closed my medical practice, and I find that work-life balance just that term has really been overused and I like to joke and say that it's been choked to death. And I decided to tackle doing a chapter for Jim and Jim in the Change Book series in book number five and not put the stress on myself about writing a whole book and just give people a glimpse into the world of what it was like to have work-life balance. And a lot has changed since 2015, but I just feel that a lot of people are seeing this as a trend because we've become such a technology-dependent society. And work-life balance is not a trend. It truly is an adapted lifestyle. And it's one that has to adhere to happiness and contentment. So it doesn't have anything attached to it that is of any kind of stature related to money or things or even creating memories. It's about really being present and having contentment in both your work life and your personal life and maybe having them be mirrored and transparent so that you're happy doing the work that you're doing and then you're happy when you're in your leisurely activities, whatever that may be. Now, when I was interviewed by Rich and Lawrence when they took over the show for me in 2016, we talked about a questionnaire that I often give to folks, and I'd be happy to email that to anyone who's interested. And it really just helps you become present and aware and become what I call your own self-authority for where are you spending your time, but more importantly, where are you not spending your time? And that is usually an awakening for a lot of people, and I see a lot of emotion out of both men and women And when I do my group training or if I'm doing team building or working with short-term disability claims for insurance companies, a lot of people do not have any time carved out through the week for themselves or for any level of spirituality just to calm your mind and, and literally shut down and shut off. 
And the number one thing I hear is that, you know, things are hectic with the family and we've all got busy schedules and we're all running in different directions and there's before school activities and after school activities. But it doesn't matter what you're doing, when you're doing it or how long you're doing it. You have to be selfish before you can be selfless. And what I mean by that, it's a metaphor. You cannot help someone if your cup is half empty. You need to make sure that your cup, that your self-care, that your self-love is intact, fully aligned, and has regular deposits back to you on a daily basis. Because when people start reviewing their life and analyzing it and reorganizing their time, this isn't a task-oriented process. This is about really getting quiet and giving, your, giving yourself space to realize where the unbalance is in your life and allowing yourself that reflective time to grow and to change. And you will see progression. But in order to, you know, even look at the unbalance, to grasp it and really get a handle on it, you need to let go of perfection. And I know I'm, I'm talking to all the type A personalities out there because I'm, I'm one myself. And it, it was one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn was we don't have to have things perfect all the time. But sometimes, you know, depending on your upbringing and your life experiences, it's really hard not to dodge that ball. But like anything else, it's, it's cognitive behavioral training. It's retraining your brain to adapt to new tasks, new schedules, and just to be open and to be present. I know that many people see failure as a negative. I see failure as a huge opportunity because it's usually coupled with rejection. And for me, that just shows me that the doors are ready to be blown wide open for my next success or opportunity. So I want you to just have an open mind and realize that work-life balance can be disguised in many ways. And I know most people would like to have it delivered to their front door, you know, in a beautifully gift-wrapped package with a nice red bow, but it doesn't work that way. One of the main key factors for work-life balance is communication. And I know in my house, one of the cliches that we say is, is it's all about a two-way street. So when both lines of communication are open, you will see how lovely things will fall in sync. And the synchronization just helps demonstrate that you've set an intention, you've made a plan, and what you've essentially done is designed your life. And I think that's what we're all looking for these days, is just to really have life by design and to be happy in all, in all aspects of our life. So I know that many people get stuck and they don't know where to start, and some of them even become literally unraveled in a schedule that just has them buried. The key is to be creative. And you need to be specific with yourself, and that is the only way you're going to really create and have attainable goals. I love the old cliche that says less is better. And I love this because when you're in the development of creating mini milestones and not running a marathon, you get to see the accomplishments along this journey of finding balance. And when you finish tasks and you finish projects, it brings happiness which brings contentment, which is going to bring you to full sustainment of everything that I'm talking about, trying to just get everything to fit. So set a goal for yourself. Here's your task. 
I want you to do one big thing per day and do not waver from this. So one big thing just for yourself. If you are someone who loves meditation, I love meditation, I'm not going to ask you to start tomorrow and sit down for 60 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. Because when you start making these life changes, small changes over time have a ripple effect. And I need you to not have that what-if mentality. Is it the right time? You are the only person who can answer that question. So what's my best advice? Do it when you're ready. And the first step is easy. Just start. What is my Dev Pro methodology to making big leaps? You've got to have an action plan. So you need to seek your opportunity and execute it when you know and feel that it's the right time and that you've decided on your own that it's what you have created, not what someone else wants from you. One of the psychological terms that I absolutely love is the word grit, G-R-I-T, in big, big, bold, red letters, capital letters underlined with exclamation marks after it. And I, I just love this word. It's the true meaning of who I am, and I believe that every entrepreneur on this planet has it. It's a cognitive element, and it's totally crucial to seeking and sustaining work-life balance. It's almost like tenacity on roller skates. We all want to have harmony in our life. And I truly believe with my neuroscience background, it's because our brains interpret success. And success is directly linked to the cognitive emotional connection of work-life balance. So let me ask you, why do we strive for that perfection? And really, what is perfection? Is it a general or a generational recurring belief system? When does life become happy for people? Does work-life balance bring happiness? Does it bring success? People will view work-life balance differently because each individual has his or her own core belief. And this is based purely on, on, your, on our childhood experiences, our upbringing, our parents' beliefs, our losses, our traumas, our education, our lack of any of the above. So I'm just wondering, just for consideration, is there a genetic predisposition? Is it in our DNA? Are we repeating what our parents did, or are we striving to do and be better? So if work-life balance is based on materialism, is this all we're going to base our success on in life? A little bit to ponder there. To me, work-life balance is about growth, it's about acceptance, and it's about progression. Like I said before, perfection has no room in this equation. So I want you to think about work-life balance with the metaphor that you're riding a bike, and it's all about repetition and your attitude. And if you fall off, the good news is you're going to get back up and get back on that bike. Same thing goes for work-life balance. You're going to implement a new habit or a new schedule. Life's going life's to happen. Emergencies are going to happen. They're not planned. That's why they're called emergencies. So you just embrace what happens to you. You don't let it define you. You don't label it. 
you just you let it go like Jim Britt talks about and you don't let it succumb you. You just take the opportunity to accept it, to process it, and then to decide how you're going to cope with it and move on. How we grow from our losses and lessons. This is the growth that you can foster and sustain. I truly believe that core beliefs that are well-honed create a mastery of lifestyle, which in my opinion is work-life balance at its best. Work-life balance develops as you age, and it allows you to mature as you experience lifestyle changes while, you're a tree, while you are achieving your dreams and goals. Work-life balance is an ongoing reevaluation of who you are and what you want from your life, both personally and professionally. Accept change, because life will happen. Trauma, death of a loved one. Work-life balance can't be one's acceptance of what is. For example, let's say you're swamped at work, your house is a mess, your child is sick, and all of this throws a curveball and disrupts your work-life balance. Again, I just want to reiterate this point. The point is to accept the unbalance called life, work through what is important, which is foremost our health, and our loved ones. Schedules and deadlines and commitments will always be there, but sometimes they have to take a back seat, and that's okay. Being happy is directly linked to achieving work-life balance. Many people in today's society suffer with depression, and that is related to their personal life, their work, or unfortunately, sometimes both, which can be difficult if you do not have a, a really good support system in place. So you have to believe in yourself and know that there are always greater things to come in your life because we are meant to be lifelong learners. We are meant to challenge ourselves. We are meant to grow and jump out of that comfort zone. So do things that challenge you. The end result is going to be newfound knowledge that you can instill into your daily life. New knowledge is totally wasted if you don't apply it. When you change, so does your work-life balance, and it will always evolve with you. So I'd like you to get a pad and a pen, and I'm going to give you 12 tips that you can start with tonight to reevaluate your own work-life balance. So here's tip number one. Schedule the important things. Tip number two. Implement and exercise time management. That is crucial. Mastering the art of no. Tip number three, communicate with your employer and see if there's a possibility of them maybe being benevolent and allowing you some flex time. Tip number four, bring in backup. When life hands you lemons, make the lemonade, call in the support. You're not meant to always be in warrior mode. We are meant to be human beings, not human doings. Number five, Communicate with other families. You're not alone in what you're going through. So if you're having a rough day or a rough week or a rough month or you just feel that you are just not on the straight and narrow, there's going to be someone else out there going through a similar thing. So communicate with other families. Number six, be mindful of scheduling too many extracurricular activities. Number seven, 
schedule routine, regular family time. Number eight, take time for you. And I started the radio show off tonight saying that you must be selfish before you can be selfless. You just cannot pour from an empty cup. Number nine, ensure you have couple time. And I know with the couples that I've worked with, a lot of marriages break down because the wife's going in one direction, the husband's going another direction, and they have forgotten the foundation of their own relationship, which was long before the children. So I think that is one of the most important ones in this list. Number 10, share your work experience with your children. I think that when we foster and mentor and teach our youth, I think you see the fruits of your labor when they become young adults and you get to see your core beliefs, your work ethic, your philanthropy, all the things that you, you have demonstrated to your children. And it's very important that you share the work experience, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, because there's always a learning tool in all of those specific scenarios. Number 11, make time for fun. I know a lot of people struggle with this, and I know some people have no interaction some days or don't even laugh for days. Every day has to have some fun in it. That's mandatory. And number 12, don't miss those special moments. You know, we talked about deadlines and emails and all those other things that our society has made us so technology dependent, I think it's really, really important now that we don't miss those special moments. So I'm not saying that you can't schedule your children in, in activities. I'm just recommending that you don't schedule your children or grandchildren in every extracurricular activity to the point that you are running yourself ragged and then there's no time for you. So you have no ability to be selfless because you haven't been selfish in looking after yourself. I'm very intrigued with the 1950s, and I, I think it was an interesting time and a dynamic. And there's a great um, issue of Housekeeping Magazine from May 13, 1955, and they published what they called the Good Wife's Guide. And it's a well-documented bulleted list of what a good wife, you know, should do upon the arrival of her husband home from his hard day at the office. So the interesting observation is that the wife is beautifully dressed as if she works in an office. And she is donned with a lovely pressed apron. And her work-life balance skills in 1955 was, a, was that of a facility manager. She ran the home, all of the, all the logistics that come with it, including always knowing her place. As the decades have passed, working women who were also wives and mothers have embraced work-life balance. It's like a combination of Betty Crocker, June Cleaver, and Martha Stewart. Now, I know that would be an exemplary skill set worth noting for work-life balance at its finest. But modern-day working moms raise range from the amazing stay-at-home moms all the way to the CEO of large companies. The, commonal the commonality that they share is the same goal. They're just on different levels. 
It's a daily struggle for many. However, they all have the well-honed talents of pure and simple acceptance, as well as the ability to juggle many things. So who would our role model be for work-life balance? This is something to really ponder. Do we need to conform to a role model? There is not a single perfect person on the earth who can do it all. Sure, it can be done with a huge support system in place, but doesn't having a support system really just encompass basic decision-making, logistics, and the mastered skill of delegation? Stress that is self-inflicted is not going to lead you to work-life balance. Women are extremely hard on themselves and always looking to be that perfect mom or that perfect wife. Whose value system are they looking to model their behavior after? A recent Harvard study found that adults want freedom. They both want the flexibility and ability to work remotely. Working from a home office brings out innovation and creativity as people work from their own private environments that offer them relaxation and comfort. And such environments increase productivity but also offer companies retention of valuable employees. According to the Harvard study, quote, companies that officially allow employees to work remotely at least three times per month were more likely to report revenue growth of 10% or more within the last year compared to firms without such policies, end quote. I've spoken to many people, both men and women, about this topic of work-life balance, and I find it very interesting to hear their individual views of what it means to them. The takeaway of my discussion is that everyone wants to be happy and live a simple life. Perception, judgment, and life scenarios cloud this for many. However, there are people who have chosen to break free from this pattern of behavior and live that powerful life of balance. It was a privilege to speak to men and women all over the world by telephone, email, text message, Skype, and all of the powerful tools that allow us to communicate so effectively today. Yet such tools also tip the scale for many and push them into an unbalanced life. As a mom, it truly saddens me to see parents at events with their children. You probably already get the picture I'm going to describe here, but the parent's head is down, not watching his or her son or daughter, checking that email, sending that text. There is nothing more important than giving your children the time and love that they need and deserve. It's a huge problem, and I see it growing in our society, and it's definitely a contributing factor to non-work-life balance. What are you teaching your children, and what, are, and what about the generations to come? Children today are really overexposed to technology. The old days of traditional play seem to be far gone. Our society has become prescription dependent with enhanced social withdrawal. Where would a child learn work-life balance if people do not model it in the home, in the community, at their school? And when they're at school, that's where they are five to six hours per day for several years. Don't get me wrong, technology is a wonderful advancement However, it's also a barrier to work-life balance. And this barrier now starts at the earliest of age four when children are entering junior kindergarten. Children learn from what they're taught. So work-life balance is about time, communication, respect, and enjoying the moment, regardless of the activity. Work-life balance has four key areas. You may want to write these down. Family, career, health, and friends. May you always have equal time in each area of your life because work-life balance certainly makes you feel happy and whole. I'm often asked whether I truly live the life that I display on social media, and I think this is quite an interesting question. 
My, an my answer is simple and truthful, and it's yes. I choose not to allow others to fill my schedule. I determine my own decisions, or it will make me feel inept when I have the power to say no. Time is very precious to me. I've had an incredible life thus far at 51 years old. I have had lots of loss, lots of trauma, and maybe a little bit more tragedy than some people. But on the scale of life compared to most people's experience, overall, I think it's molded me into who I am today. And it has certainly given me a level of strength and resilience, which is second to none. I lost my dad at age 21, and that was very devastating as I was a young adult and he was my hero. He was a born entrepreneur who succeeded and endured through hard times. And my dad always parented with what I call an edge. He made his points very clearly and concisely, and he always wanted me to learn, but he did it with a sharp tone. However, I know his intent was loving, and he helped me learn a lot of lessons, and sometimes I learned the hard way. I've learned to become a true thought leader, and my work-life balance work and research has led me to be a leader in this topic and coined myself as a work-life balance specialist, a term that most people find confusing and think of as being impossible. So I coined myself a Renaissance woman to get what I'm saying, and I truly resonate with all the women and men I've met with so far. I'm excited to meet more, mostly because that is who I am and who I was born to be. And I love to be articulate, intelligent, communicative, approachable, fun, honest, real, and genuine. And when you show your integrity and possess that grit that I talked about earlier, those are all traits of a work-life balance specialist. So I want to leave you with one quote before I go into my next segment. Compare yourself to no one else. Be your original self and be the best you can be because you are enough. I love that. And I also love be yourself because everyone else is taken by Oscar Wilde. So that's just a synopsis of my contribution to book number five on work-life balance. And I'd like to fast forward to book number 12 uh, Jim and Jim asked me to submit another chapter, which I was really delighted to do, and just give an update from where I was in 2015 to 2016 when I contributed again to Book 12. And this time I chose to call my chapter Inspiration Rx, Live Life, Be Yourself. Last year, in August, I was asked to present at the largest fitness expo in Canada, and it's called CanFit Pro, and it's put on by the Canadian Fitness Professionals, which is a big uh, organization in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I was afforded two opportunities. I had uh, two 90-minute sessions. One was for people who teach exercise classes, so instructors, personal trainers, and the second one was for entrepreneurs who own the gym. And it was very interesting to take the same topic and slant it in two different directions. And I realized after that weekend in attending this amazing event that I needed to change work-life balance to work-life fit. Because I think the word balance can have a negative connotation. And when I think of balance, 
a lot of people have the imagery of a scale, and I don't want you to feel that you have to lean one way or the other to have balance. Whereas if we look at the word fit, we just work with what we have and do the best we can in that moment or in that day. So that led me to kind of update where I came from book five to book 12. And I just want to share with you my chapter and, and what I, how, I, how I moved ahead and how the change book was, has been really incredible for not only my branding but also my business. So I guess the first thing I want to say is we're now on book 14. We are almost done book 14, actually. I was talking to Jim and Jim today, and book 15 will be started. And we're now in 27 countries. So you've got 14 books. You've got 20 people in each book. That's 280 co-authors from around the globe. So folks, inspiration is all around us within this global community. And I know sometimes people have a hard time finding inspiration in their day, so I'm asking you to start with gratitude and find it because it's there. So I wanted to share with you a little bit of my chapter from, from book 12, and I'd like to read uh, a couple excerpts out of it because I usually do that each week with my, my guests. So here we go. I really wanted to value, add, and leave my imprint on the Change Book series. One day while I was having a mentoring call with Jim and Jim, I asked them if I could start a radio show. As always, they both asked me what I envisioned. Four weeks later, the Change Book radio show aired on Blog Talk Radio. To say this was an exciting time is an understatement. Every Wednesday, we aired live, and I would travel the world via the airways, interviewing the different co-authors from around the globe, 22 countries and over 200 co-authors that were coaches, authors, speakers, and consultants who represented every industry you could imagine. What enticed me was their ability to tell their story. My approach was to live in the moment and not have a show that was staged. I would read their individual chapters within the Change Book series, familiarize myself enough to conduct the interview, and always integrate an element of surprise during the 30-minute segment. As my business got busier, I could no longer maintain hosting the show. However, I was able to elevate it to the iTunes platform, which was also very exciting. Rich Perry and Lawrence Pipkin, also known as my Book 5 buddies, took over hosting of the show, and it continued to be accepted till early in 2017, when Rich and Lawrence got very busy and just launched a new book that's gone number one on Amazon in several different categories. So congratulations to them. So Jim and Jim asked if I wanted to take it back. So I was just able to take it back and change the format and do one co-author per week, interviewing them from 45 minutes to an hour. So when I was asked to write another chapter, in the change in book 12. I just really felt compelled to write an update about the change that had gone on in my own life. So personal and professional development is and will always be part of my daily regime. And we can only get better with ongoing education, embracing change, aging, changing our behavior, and maturity. Every day I have the same routine. 
And I'm asked this a lot, so I thought I would declare it today on the Changebook radio show. I wake up and I'm just grateful that I have another day to live. I write in my gratitude journal and it sets the tone and foundation for my day. It gives me happiness, it gives me focus, it gives me clarity, and it always renews my why for who I choose to be and how I want to live my life. Each day, I give myself a powerful affirmation to challenge myself to grow as a woman, an entrepreneur, a mother, a wife, a friend, and overall just a decent human being. I've mentioned a couple times during the show tonight that we, we truly live in a technology-dependent society, and it's easy to be harsh and negative and complain. If you choose to start your day with gratitude and maintain that mindset, I can guarantee you, you will be pleasantly surprised how your day will evolve, and it will give you more than you could imagine. One of my favorite things is walking throughout the day and seeing many strangers. I make a point of saying hello and always giving them a big smile. Consider that you may be the only person that speaks to them for the whole day. A smile is easy to give and it uses a lot of muscles in your face and it just makes you feel happy. I also volunteer at our local hospice. My gratitude for life is immeasurable. It's easy to get caught up in life and forget about what is really important. Firstly, having your health is really the true wealth in in life. Creating memories with your family and friends is what life truly is about. And collecting memories, not things. Many people never figure this out, and when they do, it's usually too late. When was the last time that you made a call to a friend or someone you haven't spoke to in a while? Have you ever taken the time to compliment someone for no reason? How often do you handwrite a card or a letter and mail it to someone? These are not unusual tasks to do. However, we've allowed technology to consume our lives, and sometimes it's a nice reminder to just return to your roots, the basics of what we were taught from our parents and our grandparents, truly allowing yourself to live and embrace the moment. I think it's time to let go of the overused term work-life balance. The term, like I said previously, has been choked and it seriously has taken it on its own platform. I now love to use the term work-life fit. We wake up every day, we pause, we give gratitude. We know what we have to do. Life will allow us to ebb and flow. We have to let go of perfection. There is no one who is perfect. We are born to be the best version of ourselves every day. That's it. There's no complicated story or equation needed. For the past five years, I've provided coaching and mentoring and consulting on work-life balance. The common theme that I see in the private companies and clients that I work with is the need to be validated. We all need to have a why in our life. We need to have a purpose to serve and to feel appreciated. I think it's basic human nature. My life is no different than yours. I was born in the 1960s. I was the youngest of five children. I was actually the mistake. My parents were very, very hardworking, but they were extremely dysfunctional together. However, their generation stayed together and did not air their laundry, and all was fine and good. Alcohol, drugs, and rock and roll were the main three coping strategies in the 60s and 70s and led the way to household dysfunction. 
Sitting back as a child, I remember with vivid memories and clarity the social parties my parents would have as they had stature and money, and everyone who was associated with my parents in business or in our neighborhood wanted to hang around my parents. As I reflect back, my parents were mentors and leaders doing the best that they could with the tools that they had been given. In my formidable years, I truly was a loner. For those who know me, they find that shocking because I love people so much. Networking and socializing come easy for me, yet I do enjoy, enjoy time by myself to fall into deep relaxation and practice meditation daily to keep my mind, body, and soul in complete alignment and always know that my creativity continues to grow alongside my passion for learning new experiences. I've experienced a lot of loss and trauma in my life. And there are days where I feel my experiences are that of a very old person. Often I'm asked how I've got through some of these experiences. And my answer is simple. I gave in to the pain and the grief, and I gave myself the time that was needed and, re and required to bounce back. I also promised myself that the light was always at the end of the tunnel, even though sometimes it was a dim shimmer. Losing your dad at 21 is very hard as you don't have that fatherly figure to lean on. What got me through was my last discussion with my dad before he passed away. He encouraged me to start my own business and work with people. He recommended that I always be humble and kind and treat others the way I wanted to be treated. However, he prepared me to experience this many times over my life as a one-way street. My dad also prepared me for jealousy, resentment, and other negative emotional traits that come with the success of being an entrepreneur. Certainly a hard lesson to learn as a young adult. However, having the fatherly advice of not engaging or having emotion has served me well, and it's not my story. No personal feelings are involved, and I move on to the next task at hand. Business is business. My mother is someone I do not speak of often. We had a very tumultuous relationship and she suffered from mental health and addiction. She was an alcoholic. When I was a young girl, I would often dream and visualize the mother I wanted to be. As human beings, we can certainly get over negative aspects in our life with dreaming and visualizing. This is how I made it through my childhood, along with hanging on to my hopes and dreams and surrounding myself with kind people my faith, self-love, and always telling myself that everything was going to be okay and that I was a good kid and someday I would do amazing things with my life. Today, I'm the proud mother of two beautiful daughters. Our relationship is healthy and loving, and we have great respect for each other. Working through the dysfunctional relationship that I had with my own mother, knowing that someday I would be the mother I wanted to have, provided me with the light at the end of the tunnel and two daughters who I love unconditionally mentor and will help to launch them to be the best version of who they're meant to be. People watching to this day is still one of my favorite activities to do as I find it fascinating. Communication on all levels, especially nonverbal, including body language, hand gestures, eye movement, nervous laughing, it's all how people act and respond in social situations, and it continues to astonish and really intrigue me. On a deeper level, it's found, it found, 
foundationally related to their childhood upbringing, along with their life experiences as an adult. Now that I have reached my 50s, it gives me clarity and strength to look back over my own life to see the woman I have become. I do not question my strength, my tenacity, my will to learn, my passion to help, my love to serve others. It has stemmed from my childhood and the morals and core beliefs and experiences that my life has gifted to me. I will continue to be humble and kind for my entire life and enjoy the true emotion of gratitude and happiness that it gives my mind, body, and soul. There's many other things that I still have on my bucket list to do, but I think what I want to say in summary is that life is about being content, and content Contentment will lead you to work-life fit. I can guarantee you. Jim Britt did a really interesting post today that I wanted to share with you on the show tonight. And he asked you to think about the words think, hope, try, and believe, as well as the word know. And he wanted to know which one you liked and why, and which one was the most powerful. And he has he had a different um, he had a bunch of different responses and then his response was here are the definition to each of the words to think is to contemplate to hope is to entertain an outcome to try is to struggle to believe is to hold an opinion to know is to be certain being is more powerful its first cause. Being leads to thoughts, then to words, then to action. I know it's not one of your words, but it certainly precedes the ones that Jim listed. And this was an answer from someone that had had done it on his post. Being is created by the decisions you make, which creates a presence or being. It then creates a mindset And once you have a mindset, you can determine how you choose to show up to the world and how the world shows up for you. So I've enjoyed sharing insights to my life tonight, and I just want to take a few minutes and just reiterate that we are on book 14. There's 20 people in each book. That's 280 people. I have reached out to almost all of the co-authors. I have continued to take this brand of the Change Book series and make it part of my branding, part of my daily business activity. There are so many beautiful people in this global community that I've connected with, and some of them have become colleagues. I have done work with some. I'm doing future collaborations with some, and some I'm just privileged to call my friend. I talk to Jim Britt and Jim Luce on a regular basis. That can be by telephone, that could be by text message, that could be email. The point is, if you don't reach out, you can't talk to them, and you've got a wealth of knowledge at your disposal. So I'm really encouraging you to do that because book 15 is right around the corner. And I am booking now uh, December for the radio show. So if you have not been on the radio show and you'd like to get booked in, it's very simple. Just send an email to deb at debcrow.com, and crow has an E on the end. 
And I wanted to just leave you with a couple of uh, new things going on with me. My website is down at the moment because I am rebranding and I am launching uh, my new brand in the fall and I'm really excited about that. And I've decided to no longer have a title of author, coach, speaker. I am now deciding to just be authentically undefined. And that allows me to release myself from titles and stature and just immerse in my life professionally and personally with my feelings, my emotions, my beliefs, and just truly be limitless in all that I choose to do. I'm on Facebook as Deb Crow. I also have my Deb Crow Work Life Expert Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter is, handle is Let's Get Balanced. I'm on LinkedIn, and I publish a blog weekly on LinkedIn. I'm also on Pinterest and Instagram. So there's nothing that I love more than an intellectual stimulating conversation. So I hope you've enjoyed the radio show tonight. I've enjoyed giving you a little glimpse into the world of Deb Crow. I hope you will take some strategies and advice on how to get work-life fit into your life. And I just want to thank you for spending time with me tonight and for tuning in to the Changebook Radio Show. And I will be back here next week, which will be August the 2nd, I can't believe it, uh, with David from Australia. So I'm very excited to interview him and see what he's got on the go. We'll be heading down under, so that should be a lot of fun. So this is Deb Pro for the Changebook Radio Show. Thanks for spending time with me tonight, and we'll see you next week. Take care.